Hey team, I want you to meet Daniel Schmela, Director of Partnerships, Community, and Social Media at Chili Piper. But first, here's what Arthur Castillo said about Dan. I leverage principles. So I was taught this by my manager, Dan, um, as I moved into marketing. So to try and explain it, um, a high leverage activity is maybe something that you create once a system or a process and that you can reuse it so we're not starting from scratch. Whereas a low leverage uh, activity would be, I'm doing it once, I'm having to recreate it from scratch. I'm really not building any systems or processes. So it's helped me understand how do I create this so I'm more scalable and how do I do things maybe once or twice and it serves me for a longer amount of time. Dan, what are three ways your team converts your market into revenue? Okay, well, let's say like, how do we take our TAM and convert that into customers? And I'll take a segment of that right now where like two of our primary buyer personas at Chili Piper were a tool that basically manages inbound lead flow amongst other things with complicated lead routing, all kinds of cool stuff. But our primary personas are demand gen because uh, they want the ads that they bring traffic to the website to convert and revenue ops, because they don't want to deal with this manual lead routing situation. So the first question you need to ask yourself is like, where are these people? Where do they hang out? Like, are they at events? Are they in communities? Are they on social? Are they grabbing beers with their peers? And then from there, it's like, okay, how can we be there too? So three areas that we focus on uh, to convert these folks into customers. Uh, one would be community. So, you know, we look at across a lot of the top communities for us, for the RevOps persona, it's like WizOps, uh, marketing, ops, marketing Operation Pros, excellent community run by uh, Mike Rizzo and co, uh, Pavilion, Modern Sales Pros, Demand Curve, there are a bunch of them. So you're like, okay, this is where ICP is, they're active here. How do we be active too? Well, the solution isn't when your solution comes up to be like, oh, pick me Chili Piper right here. It's to have your customers and advocates authentically want to engage in those communities. So one way we convert our market into revenue is by ensuring that our customers are supported, active, healthy, and receive gratitude whenever they evangelize for us. Uh, within PlanHat, which is our customer kind of management system, we have information on what communities certain people are active in. Then across all these communities, many of which we're sponsoring, we have social listening mechanisms in place using a tool called Charla. And also in some cases, the founders of these communities are contracted to alert us when our solution comes up. So when our solution comes up, naturally now, a lot of customers chime in organically. If not, maybe we'll give them a little bit of a nudge. So that's one space that we do it, uh, community. We surveyed all of our closed one customers from 2021 and 20% said they heard of us first from a community. So shout out to all the communities out there. Rev Genius. There's a new one launching soon, uh, which we can't tell you about, but it's really, really exciting. Uh, sales Assembly. They're just awesome. So the second place where we convert a lot of our market into revenue is social media. Like maybe you've seen us on LinkedIn. We're actually getting, uh, you know, when I joined the company in 2020, almost two years ago. Oh, uh, no, actually over two years ago now. Wow. Uh, we had about 37,000 organic impressions per quarter. Uh, Last quarter, that number was 2.7 million organic impressions just from the company account, not from like employees, not from customer advocates. So you can look actually in a granular level and see what percentage of your audience is in different personas. And we brought our RevOps component up from three to 8%. So it's like being active there, like your customers are on social, you're on social. And then the third one, you'll realize they all have a theme uh, is customer referrals and user generated content. So within social media, I view three real types of content. You have your company page, 
you have your employee evangelism, and then you have user-generated content. A while back, uh, a friend of ours, Sarah McNamara, who's not a customer and she's not paid to do anything, she's just like a badass marketing ops leader, uh, made a post about Chili Piper and how we can do really complex lead routing and all kinds of cool stuff. Got like 40,000 impressions. So then we were like, maybe this led to revenue. We actually went into the post, took all the people there who were mentioned, who liked or commented favorably, enriched that using lead IQ, and then uploaded it to Salesforce as a campaign. So actually we can now see like the influence of social media user-generated content on our pipeline. And it turns out that the dark funnel is still dark. We don't really know what's going on there, but we do know that 80% of our inbound and last month was our best ever month for inbound just comes for people Googling chilipiper.com. We believe that comes from organic user-generated content and just like a badass true social media presence. So there are three ways. What are three hard problems that you recently overcame? Well, looping back to the first one, it's this dark funnel thing, right? Because I feel so lucky, you know, I report directly to the CEO, I manage PR, community, social media, events, customer marketing, uh, and then a bunch of other random things, including our foundation. But a lot of these areas where we're putting a lot of effort into, it's not trackable. It's not like when someone mentions our solution in a community, we're going to be like, hey, Rebecca, please comment and then tie this UTM link to your comment with a demo. Like that's so inauthentic and so it just seems slimy to me. So we want to keep it organic. We want to keep it real. But when you do that, you sacrifice tracking, right? So the, being able to operate in the dark funnel and get buy-in to take these activities to spend this money is a big problem we're focused on. Fortunately, we have two co-CEOs, Nicholas and Alina Vandenberg, who are just like, they get it. Like they get marketing, they understand it. So they've allowed me to grow this team out to around eight now where we operate in the dark funnel. But um, it's tough still. One easy way to solve this is just put on your demo request form uh, an attribution, not a, not a drop down, but how did you hear of us? Leave it open-ended and that way you can get credit for uh, for kind of dark funnel activities. Alice does an amazing job at this where they have Nick Bennett, like a mega influencer, who's also like the nicest guy ever, who's able to just go out there and produce content without tracking it. Because when folks come inbound, they're saying, I got brought here by Nick Bennett. So those are a couple of ways you can overcome them. We're still working to overcome them. And candidly, I want to get more hard data on the dark funnel so I can hire like more of a team to just do user-generated content, um, which you know, our senses are that this is really working for us, but it's like, it's not in the CRM, you know? So a second hard problem that we overcame recently was building our customer advisory board. And like many things, we chose to be incredibly extra for this. <laughs> so a lot of people build one customer advisory board. I was like, I'm gonna build six, let's build six. Everybody is like, whoa, six is too many, but it's actually been totally amazing. The problem we are facing is we have so many incredible organic evangelists across our customer base, but they don't all share a lot in common. Like you'll have the CEO of Sendoso who loves us. And then you'll have like Sarah from Gong who loves us. And they're both amazing, but they might not share the same problems. So if you bring them all together in one room, it might be a little weird. So our solution instead was to create six different groups of our customer advisory board, each united by a persona, each owned by the person who kind of owns that persona within Chili Piper. It's been amazing. Uh, a second problem we had with it was it's like, how do we ensure that these folks feel respected, cared for, and that they're activated? 
So Taylor, who runs our customer marketing department, actually, we aligned her comp to a customer advisory board health score, which I just think is awesome because it ensures that we're going to have that activation, which not only helps us, but it makes it feel that the cab members are like, they are happy, you know? And then what do you know? We've been launched. We've had our cab for four months now. Over 35 members have announced it. We're looking at over 600,000 organic impressions but each of those is worth 10 from the company account, you know, because if I tell you, Hey, I'm great. They're going to be like, sure. But if your best friend, someone you respect says Dan's really great, then it's going to carry a lot more weight. So that's how we solve that. A third problem. And I already mentioned this is just ensuring representation in communities. We're still working on it, but the first step was to figure out which one of our customers is active in which community. Uh, eventually we want to ascribe a community health score to all these communities as well. That's kind of future state. We've got a lot going on now, so haven't been able to get to it yet, but I'm excited to do it in the future. What are three roadblocks that you're working on now? Okay. So the first roadblock and our CEO, if you're watching this right now, I know he's so busy, there's no way, but we got to hire marketing ops, right? So Arthur and Adrian, the events team are really incredible, but there's a level of sophistication we want to do that kind of requires marketing ops. So we're at a point in the company where there are two paths we can take. We can train Arthur and Adrian on how to be like HubSpot experts and do all this stuff, or we can specialize. They can keep focused on building the brand, doing amazing events, building our in-person events community, and ultimately like shepherding deals to close. And we can have a marketing ops person manage the plumbing, so to speak. Some of the things we want to do are pretty complex. Like for all the events we invite, we want to have unique invitation cadences going out from the person who's going to be there, have a tier one list, a tier two list, a tier three list. And like, particularly if you're events guys or, or people running around all the time, you don't really have time for that. So that's one problem we're really, we're really facing. Uh, the second one, maybe we'll just do two for this one because I talked about it, but it's a dark funnel. We operate a ton in the dark funnel, but there's always this lingering fear where it's like, these QHMs aren't associated to any specific program. They just Googled chilipiper.com. One easy way you can get around this to ensure that, you know, demand gen essentially doesn't take credit for organic stuff is like, if you take out ad spend against your own keywords, like someone searches for chilipiper in Google, and then it's like, did you mean chilipiper.com? Like, I'm curious what you think, Chris, do you think that's demand gen sourced? Or, or is it something else? So you're saying if someone just is Googling Chili Piper. And, and then they click on a cost per click ad taken out against Chili Piper by Chili Piper. Did you mean Chili Piper? Yeah. Com? That's the idea. Yeah. And would you characterize that as demand gen you're saying or organic? Yeah, that's my question. Even though they clicked on a paid ad. Yeah. Yeah. Great. I mean, I, I've run into all this type of stuff too. Like the uh, SDR sources something through an email. And then this outbound comes in inbound through a book demo. They answer Google was the way they found out about us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So here's my hot take. I'm wearing a, our nothing but hot takes hat in honor of our podcast relaunching demand gen chat, which is going to be really exciting, but it's like, what you want to look at and measure is what caused them to Google chili pipe, right? They Google chili Piper because some of their friends told them about it, or they saw something on social. Then they click on the ad. So what I would say is like an easy way to unblock this like organic stuff is just to ensure that demand gen isn't taking credit for organic social. Uh, and you do that by making sure that the um, 
the paid ads uh, that convert based off your own keywords are actually attributed to the direct organic bucket rather than this demand gen bucket. Because like they wouldn't have clicked on the ad if they didn't Google Chili Piper. And I would say that's the real mover. Getting them to Google is what you want to be measuring. So a third problem I'm having is just managing expectations a bit. Um, this is the best problem in the world. Uh, I report directly to our founders and CEOs um, and they're super hands-on and I am just so grateful for it. Um, but, you know, and we can get into this in the mental model question, but I use a theory called self-determination theory to help manage the teams that I serve. And it's sometimes difficult to like have a co uh, like a consistent, coherent, long-term strategy when you're kind of getting pulled in different directions by executives. So like finding the ground to push back and say no, to say no to projects is something I've always struggled with because I just want to say yes to everything, but I know that I can't. What are three mental models that you use to do your best work? Okay. The first one, self-determination theory. So since I joined Chili Piper, and this is nothing against the company, I think it just has to speak more with a great resignation, but I've been here two years and every single marketer has left apart from all eight of those folks who are on the teams that I serve. None of them have left. Five of them have gotten promotions. Two of them have bought houses. And the reason I think this is, is because of this thing called self-determination theory. So what self-determination theory states is that people's satisfaction in work is going to increase with incremental units of responsibility, not incremental units of pay. So basically like what I'll do is rather than saying, hey, do this, I will like facilitate a conversation where we both discuss the value of the kind of broader thing. And what's fascinating is I'll often enter these conversations with like an idea of what I want. And then 90% of the time, the conclusion that we reach is different from the idea that I want, but way better. So like when people feel in control of their own work, when they feel like they have autonomy and actual respect, and when they're, they're happy, then they're not going to leave. They're going to produce their best work and they're going to see a path for leadership. When people are micromanaged, it just sucks all the motivation out of them and they're going to leave that company. Uh, so that is one theory. A second theory is what I call the theory of leverage. And shout out to Pete Kazanji for this, uh, who shot it, uh, who told me it. Um, I can put it in the chat real quick. Um, but it's basically like a way to organize how you go about doing things um, to ensure that you are always being high leverage. So this was something that was taught to me by Pete Kazanji while I was the founder of Modern Sales Pros. The lowest leverage thing you can do is one-time work that will be done once and can't be reused. Sometimes really necessary, but it's super low leverage. The second thing is doing work that can be reused and templated. Third is doing work that creates tooling, which allows others to do more. Fourth is doing management that enables others to do work. Fifth is creating a recurring system and process by which number one is more effective. And six is creating recurring systems and processes by which two, three, and four are more valuable and effective. So it's like a great way to think about your own efficiency is it's like, am I building capacity? Is the way I'm doing this task going to make it easier to do the same task next time? And if not, then like sometimes that's necessary. Sometimes you got to just do it. But other times you should reevaluate and make sure that you're templating stuff along the way and, and things like that. A third kind of mental model I use a lot is the concept of emotional withdrawals and deposits. I could step back for a second and say literally all of Cialdini's work, uh, the godfather of influence uh, and modern persuasion is like super central to everything we do. 
Uh, but this isn't some of his work. It's the theory of emotional deposits and withdrawals. And it's a great way to think about your advocates, right? Where it's like, if you're asking, 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 eventually they're going to be like, chill out. You need to balance your asks with your gives, right? And then sometimes you want to create programs that are entirely gives. Like we're launching these in-person event series and I'm able to invite them, see CMOs to these events. We had one recently, it was amazing. It was like CMO Gong, Intercom, Glassdoor, SVP Slack. It was just like an incredible group. There's a difference between emailing someone and being like, take a demo, pitch slapping them and emailing them and say, hey, let's get you a really nice dinner with your true peers. If you focus a lot on balancing your deposits and withdrawals, you'll find you're able to build long-term, lasting, meaningful relationships with your customers. And if you haven't noticed from so far, like we want to market through our customers. That's, that's core to everything we do at Chili Piper. What are three techniques that other GTM teams need to try? Okay, so the first is fire your social media consultant and stop producing super basic, boring stuff. Uh, kind of an admittance here. When I first joined Chili Piper, we had a consulting firm pushing out all of our content and they were doing what everyone else in the industry was. It looked the same and it was boring. So we did this analysis across all the major B2B brands. And at this point, there was one that really stood out to us. It was Gong. And I was like, what's Gong doing? And it turns out what they were doing was actually rotating through different social media post archetypes. So companies like, here's a great example, Outreach and Lean Data. They, outreach has actually gotten a lot better recently, but when I first started, it was like, here's another white paper, here's another webinar, here's another blog, all look the same, all with the same graphic designer. And sure, maybe 5% of your audience finds that relevant. But what if you could produce 20 different types of content? Each were relevant to 5% of your audience and then cycle through all 20 of those in a week. Well, then you'd hit everyone in your audience with something that's completely relevant to them. So basically the GTM technique that other teams need to try is to think about diversifying their social media calendar to appeal to their different personas and also to appeal to different types of people. Some people want to laugh. Some people want to be inspired. Some people want to pursue, uh, consume video content. Some want to consume long form broetry or whatever. Some want to see pictures of dogs. You can literally have your cake and eat it too. Just give it to everybody. Give it to everybody. Give them all the things. Brand consistency is, I think, a misnomer that a lot of folks cripple their brand using because it just gives them no personality, no flavor. I hear this a lot where it's like, don't post from your company account, post from your individual account because that's what gets more engagement. On average, 8x more engagement. But here's my theory on this. It doesn't get 8x more engagement because of the algorithm. Obviously, LinkedIn wants people to post from their company accounts. It's like the business social media network. It gets 8x more engagement because everyone's company page is like super basic and stale and corporatized. And nobody wants that corporate version of you. They want like an authentic version of you. So that's the first thing, like dispense with the boring social media content. The second thing I would suggest is invest in community but not in a way to like claim your stake on it. Like try and support communities. The people in these communities are smart. They're like the top leaders in the industry. So what you want to do is just ensure that they um, are supported. Support the founders of the community. Give them money when they're starting. Sponsor their events. Add women and people of color to their communities if they're not diverse enough. Like add your customers and then you'll find the revenue will come. It won't be trackable, but it'll come. And it'll reflect itself in the people who Google your company name or go right to your company website. A third technique that people need to try is in-person events. They're back. 
we're doing them. Uh, we're doing all these dinners. There's like 20, 30 people in attendance and we've had a ton of success. So if anyone's interested in that, they can reach out to me because uh, we've built an in-person events community and uh, we're taking sponsorships. So we're already working with Vidyard. We're working with Reprise, working with Sendoso. And it's just like, kind of like field marketing as a service, but it's just really fun. Like get people live and just hear what your customers have to say. Sit your customers right next to your prospects at a table with fancy dinner and drinks, and then sit back and watch the magic happen. What are three questions you love to ask and why? Yeah, well, there's some really interesting. Um, so we just hired a professional development team at Chili Piper, professional development coaches. And I've been taking this, uh, this training on how to be a better manager, which is like a skill you should always be honing. But I would say, I'm going to give you two questions and then I'm going to give you like an archetype for questions. So questions to not ask are like yes or no questions or leading questions. I think I made a mistake earlier when I asked you, well, it's fine. But I was like, um, what do you think is causing demand gen? It was like, I already knew the answer. You knew the answer. I didn't give you an opportunity to express your kind of creativity. So what I would say is to avoid is leading questions where it's like, do you agree with me that this is your priority? Yes or no questions. Like those essentially are not questions. They're just fake statements from a manager that, that pull autonomy and creativity out of your employees in like a, a, a negative way. Because it's like, why are you asking me a question just to get me to say something? Instead, you want to focus on open-ended, non-closed questions. One I really like to ask a lot of times is um, like, what excites you the most about all the work you have on your plate? And then like, that'll give you a great example of something that you can dive in on and it'll actually help you build out leadership trajectories for folks. Because if someone's like, man, I just love marketing ops, then it's like your job as a manager to find them a mentor, obviously not me, because uh, I'm not a marketing ops expert, but to like find someone who can develop them in that skill. So like, what do you enjoy most amongst your work? It's just such a great question. And then what do you enjoy least as well? Because those are the things you want to try and automate, delegate, find ways to do less of if they're not bringing you joy. Like if you're happy in work, you're going to be productive in work and you're not going to leave. So that's so important. Another question I like to ask all the time, let me think of one more. So uh, what do you like the most uh, is, is, okay, this is a good one. When someone comes to you with a new project, they're like, I want to do this. And then you're like, oh, like, sure, but you got a lot on your plate and maybe you're, you can't do it. That'd be like a really snarky way is like, do you think you can do this amongst your other priorities? It's like, don't call me out, bro. Like, chill out. So what I like to ask is I'm like, ah, I love this. Like, um, so like, I'm curious, like it's a two-part question, like, does this project excite you? And then like, where does it sit alongside your priorities, both in terms of the impact of the business and how much it's going to fulfill you as a person? That's just such a great question because like it allows people to go through that analysis of self-prioritization themselves. Like if you're spelling it out, like, don't do this, this is the priority, then they're not going to learn those skills. They're going to keep coming to you with the same questions. Like you want to push as much back as possible onto your team so that they can learn. Onto the team that you serve. It's not your team. It's like, you're there to support them, not the other way around. Who are three operators that should be our next guests and why? I know I can only nominate one from our company, but I want to nominate Gemma, our chief customer officer, because like we have a pretty wild net negative uh, revenue retention uh, number. So um, we have like amazing 
revenue retention. In fact, it's like there's massive expansion on base. And it's just because of our, like your customers are core to everything. You don't have happy customers. We're just going to get out. Like you can't control your brand. Like you can't, like your customers and the experience they have, that's going to dictate how your brand is perceived by the market. And for that, you need a really strong customer facing function, both customer support, which rebranded, we rebranded to the Department of Customer Love and customer success, as well as implementation and onboarding. So that's huge. You got to talk to Gemma. She's amazing. Another operator I would suggest you talk to is Lori Richardson. Lori Richardson is the founder of so many things, but also women sales pros. And she's just like a wealth of knowledge. I don't want to like essentialize her impact into women's issues, but I will say she's one of the pioneers of ensuring that women are represented in sales and sales leadership. And we still have a lot of work to do, but I would honestly chat with her and just talk to her about like tactical sales stuff, because like beyond being this like amazing leader of the women in tech movement, she's just like more badass than anyone as a practitioner, like knows everything about sales, knows everyone. It's just the best person. You got to talk to Lori. She's, she's literally, she's amazing. I can't say enough about Lori. Um, she's really good. A third person you might want to talk to is going to be uh, Jen Iguarta. She's the CEO of Go Nimbly. And it's just like a really cool perspective she has, right? So what Go Nimbly does is they're like a full service revenue operations consultancy firm. So like imagine that you're an early stage company or maybe even a later stage company and you're like trying to answer these complex revenue ops questions. Maybe you need a Salesforce administrator, maybe all this stuff, but you don't have that knowledge internally. And the war for talent is like making it impossible to hire revenue and marketing ops right now. You could reach out to Go Nimbly and they'll just like give you the most amazing consultancy. They'll build out your, your marketing stack, your RevOps stack, your sales stack, all of this stuff. Why I think she'd be amazing is like a lot of people are limited by the experience at their own company, right? But sometimes moving at the pace of experience just isn't fast enough. So I personally find that like Jen must have just such a cool insight because she's she's digesting marketing ops problems, marketing ops successes, sales and marketing ops uh, wins and losses from like a hundred different companies at the same time. So it's like something I couldn't even fathom. Like I learn a lot from just what we do at Chili Piper. Imagine if I was talking to 40 different companies at the same time. She's awesome. Uh, there are three really awesome practitioners for you. That was an incredible episode, Dan. What should people who love what you're saying go do next? Okay. So my background actually is in political persuasion, where I worked for Bernie for years. And before that, I worked for other nonprofits where we'd go out and we'd have conversations about like what people believe in, right? And I fundamentally believe that all sales and marketing starts with emotions. So if there's one thing I'd recommend, it would be to read Robert Cialdini's book, uh, Influence. It's just incredible. Uh, he has these six principles that he calls weapons of influence, where it's like, have you ever noticed that when someone says, uh, like, you're great, you instinctively want to be like, no, you're great. Have you noticed that, uh, Chris? Yes. We're like psychologically primed to follow all of these cues, and they're just essential in marketing, and like, people don't use them enough. If you're like, man, I don't have time for a full book right now, there's an amazing 10 minute YouTube. Just search the science of influence and persuasion, and then you'll find this like kind of handwritten 10 minute YouTube video that'll cover like, honestly, 60, 70% of the stuff in the book. Um, so that would be my recommendation. If you're trying to increase your conversion rate on inbound leads, my recommendation would be to 
What do you know? Go to chilipaper.com, Google it. <laughs> we won't be able to credit back to this podcast, but uh, that's okay because your company will benefit from it. Hey team, what did you think about this? I think you need to put Daniel Schmela on your go-to-market radar. Connect with Dan, go see what he's doing, go see what Chili Piper's doing, and go see what the Chili Piper team is doing. Oh, by the way, have we met yet? I'm Chris Morgan, host of the Market to Revenue podcast. Shoot me an email right now about what you thought about this episode. It's chris at markettorevenue.com. Talk to you in a moment.